Letter twenty eight of Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty eight. Mr. Lovelace, in continuation. We had hardly dined when my coachman who kept a look-out for captain tomlinson as will did for old grimes conducted hither that worthy gentleman attended by one servant both on horseback he alighted i went out to meet him at the door thou knowest his solemn appearance and unblushing freedom and yet canst not imagine what a dignity the rascal assumed nor how respectful to him i was i led him into the parlour and presented him to the women and them to him i thought it highly imported me as they might still have some diffidences about our marriage from my fair one's home push questions on that head to convince them entirely of the truth of all i had asserted and how could i do this better than by dialoguing a little with him before them dear captain i thought you long for i have had a terrible conflict with my spouse captain i am sorry that i am later than my intention my account with my banker there's a dog jack took me up longer time to adjust than i had foreseen all the time pulling down and stroking his ruffles for there was a small difference between us only twenty pounds indeed which i had taken no account of the rascal has not seen twenty pounds of his own these ten years then had we between us the character of the harlowe family i railed against them all the captain taking his dear friend mr john harlowe's part with a not so fast not so fast young gentleman and the like free assumptions he accounted for their animosity by my defiances no good family having such a charming daughter would care to be defied instead of courted he must speak his mind never was a double-tongued man he appealed to the ladies if he were not right he got them on his side the correction i had given the brother he told me must have aggravated matters how valiant this made me look to the women the sex love us mettled fellows at their hearts be that as it would i should never love any of the family but my spouse and wanting nothing from them i would not but for her sake have gone so far as i had gone towards a reconciliation this was very good of me mrs moore said very good indeed miss rawlins good it is more than good it is very generous said the widow captain why so it is i must needs say for i am sensible that mr lovelace has been rudely treated by them all more rudely than it could have been imagined a man of his quality and spirit would have put up with but then sir turning to me i think you are amply rewarded in such a lady and that you ought to forgive the father for the daughter's sake mrs moore indeed so i think miss r so must every one think who has seen the lady widow b a fine lady to be sure but she has a violent spirit and some very odd humours too by what i have heard the value of good husbands is not known till they are lost her conscience then drew a sigh from her lovelace nobody must reflect upon my angel an angel she is some little blemishes indeed as to her over-hasty spirit and as to her unforgiving temper but this she has from the harlows instigated too by that miss howe but her innumerable excellencies are all her own captain ay talk of spirit there's a spirit now you have named miss howe and so i led him to confirm all i had said of that vixen yet she was to be pitied too looking with meaning at me as i have already hinted i had before agreed with him to impute secret love occasionally to miss howe as the best means to invalidate all that might come from her in my disfavour captain mr lovelace but that i know your modesty or you could give a reason lovelace looking down and very modest i can't think so captain but let us call another cause every woman present could look me in the face so bashful was i captain well but as to our present situation only it mayn't be proper 
looking upon me and round upon the women lovelace oh captain you may say anything before this company only andrew to my new servant who attended us at table do you withdraw this good girl looking at the maid-servant will help us to all we want away went andrew he wanted not his cue and the maid seemed pleased at my honour's preference of her captain as to our present situation i say mr lovelace why sir we shall be all untwisted let me tell you if my friend mr john harlowe were to know what that is he would as much question the truth of your being married as the rest of the family do here the women perked up their ears and were all silent attention captain i asked you before for particulars mr lovelace but you decline giving them indeed it may not be proper for me to be acquainted with them but i must own that it is past my comprehension that a wife can resent anything a husband can do that is not a breach of the peace so far as to think herself justified for eloping from him lovelace captain tomlinson sir i do assure you that i shall be offended i shall be extremely concerned if i hear that word eloping mentioned again captain your nicety and your love sir may make you take offence but it is my way to call everything by its proper name let who will be offended thou canst not imagine belford how brave and how independent the rascal looked captain when young gentlemen you shall think proper to give us particulars we will find a word for this rash act in so admirable a lady that shall please you better you see sir that being the representative of my dear friend mr john harlowe i speak as freely as i suppose he would do if present but you blush sir i beg your pardon mr lovelace it becomes not a modest man to pry into those secrets which a modest man cannot reveal i did not blush jack but denied not the compliment and looked down the women seemed delighted with my modesty but the widow bevis was more inclined to laugh at me than praise me for it captain whatever be the cause of this step i will not again sir call it elopement since that harsh word wounds your tenderness i cannot but express my surprise upon it when i recollect the affectionate behaviour to which i was witness between you when i attended you last over love sir i think you once mentioned but over love smiling give me leave to say sir it is an odd cause of quarrel a few ladies lovelace dear captain and i tried to blush the women also tried and being more used to it succeeded better mrs bevis indeed has a red-hot countenance and always blushes miss r it signifies nothing to mince the matter but the lady above as good as denies her marriage you know sir that she does turning to me captain denies her marriage heavens how then have i imposed upon my dear friend mr john harlowe lovelace poor dear but let not her veracity be called into question she would not be guilty of a wilful untruth for the world then i had all their praises again lovelace dear creature she thinks she has reason for her denial you know mrs moore you know miss rawlins what i own to you above as my vow i looked down and as once before turned round my diamond ring mrs moore looked awry and with a leer at miss rawlins as to her partner in the hinted at reference miss rawlins looked down as well as i her eyelids half closed as if mumbling a paternoster meditating her snuff-box the distance between her nose and chin lengthened by a close-shut mouth she put me in mind of the pious mrs featherston at oxford whom i pointed out to thee once among other grotesque figures at st mary's church whither we went to take a view of her two sisters her eyes shut not daring to trust her heart with them open and but just half rearing her lids to see who the next comer was and falling them again when her curiosity was satisfied the widow bevis gazed as if on the hunt for a secret the captain looked archly as if half in the possession of one mrs moore at last broke the bashful silence mrs lovelace's behaviour she said could be no otherwise so well accounted for as by the ill offices of that miss howe and by the severity of her relations which might but too probably have affected her head a little at times adding that it was very generous in me to give way to the storm when it was up rather than to exasperate at such a time but let me tell you sir said the widow bevis 
that is not what one husband in a thousand would have done i desired that no part of this conversation might be hinted to my spouse and looked still more bashfully her great fault i must own was over delicacy the captain leered round him and said he believed he could guess from the hints i had given him in town of my over-love and from what had now passed that we had not consummated our marriage oh jack how sheepishly then i looked or endeavoured to look thy friend how primly goody moore how affectedly miss rawlins while the honest widow bevis gazed around her fearless and though only simpering with her mouth her eyes laughed outright and seemed to challenge a laugh from every eye in the company he observed that i was a phoenix of a man if so and he could not but hope that all matters would be happily accommodated in a day or two and that then he should have the pleasure to aver to her uncle that he was present as he might say on our wedding-day the women seemed all to join in the same hope ah captain ah ladies how happy should i be if i could bring my dear spouse to be of the same mind it would be a very happy conclusion of a very knotty affair said the widow bevis and i see not why we may not make this very night a merry one the captain superciliously smiled at me he saw plainly enough he said that we had been at children's play hitherto a man of my character who could give way to such a caprice as this must have a prodigious value for his lady but one thing he would venture to tell me and that was this that however desirous young skittish ladies might be to have their way in this particular it was a very bad setting out for the man as it gave his bride a very high proof of the power she had over him and he would engage that no woman thus humoured ever valued the man the more for it but very much the contrary and there were reasons to be given why she should not well well captain no more of this subject before the ladies one feels shrugging my shoulders in a bashful try-to-blush manner that one is so ridiculous i have been punished enough for my tender folly miss rawlins had taken her fan and would needs hide her face behind it i suppose because her blush was not quite ready mrs moore hemmed and looked down and by that gave hers over while the jolly widow laughing out praised the captain as one of hudibras's metaphysicians repeating he knew what's what and that's as high as metaphysic wit can fly this made miss rawlins blush indeed fie fie mrs bevis cried she unwilling i suppose to be thought absolutely ignorant upon the whole i began to think that i had not made a bad exchange of our professing mother for the unprofessing mrs moore and indeed the women and i and my beloved too all mean the same thing we only differ about the manner of coming at the proposed end. End of letter 28